Welcome to OTP 11. Mike Keith, Amy Wells. Hey, Mike. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Special guest right across from us. Very excited about this one. Michael Griffin. Woohoo. Welcome, Michael Griffin. Thank you all for having me. The retirement. I can't see. It's so hard for me to believe you're retiring. I remember the day you were drafted. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, a parent or your if uncle you or anything. These, if you see these grays, you see. You I see, know, but it's, it's so weird. Can you say yesterday, look at these grays. I know, but it is so strange. But you come back, and this has really been a great day. It's great to have you back in the building and wonderful to think about all the memories. Why was this so important to you to come back and do this? I mean, this is where it all started. You know, the, um, the Adams family, that gave me an opportunity, you know, and, and, and blessed me, and I'm able to bless, be blessed and, and have a family that, you know, have, has a different life than I had. I mean, I had a great life growing up, but to be able to continue to be successful as if my mom and my dad and my brother are right now, so, um, and put my kids and my family in the best situation as possible. So, um, and, and at the same time, when I left, I always felt like I was a, a Tennessee Titan, even when, you know, my little small, t- uh, when I was with the Vikings, when I was with the Carolina Panthers, great organizations and nothing against them. But um, I still, you know, even when I was done there, you know, I still was, you know, felt like a Tennessee Titan, still never missed a game, watched all their games. I was always tuned in when the Titans were playing. Was it important to you from a personal standpoint to kind of move on with life as a non-player to take this step? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, of course. Um, I mean, I, 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 you know, last year, you know, I still worked out the entire season, and um, it came a point when I was like, you know what, it, it's, it's you know, pretty much it's done, it's over with. And the one thing I asked was, you know, I really want to retire a Titan. That was the main thing, and um, you know, the, the opportunity presented itself, and of course, I took it. So um, it's something that I always wanted to do, um, even when I first got drafted it was like whatever happens I want to be with one team and I want to stay with that team and retire with that team and um it didn't work the way I wanted to plan I planned out to be but it worked out in the end so that's what's most important I know you've been busy today specifically but have you taken a moment walking through the building to get a little nostalgic and remember some of your greatest moments you know what I mean it's so it's so different now um (laughs) this building is nice you know um not not take away when I was here playing and whatnot, but I mean just looking at the training room, the weight room, the new bubble, um, the locker room, um, the new uniforms. Of course, I mean I think if anything, I'm like, damn, it's the the, the, the new <laughs> uniforms, you know. But um, again, I mean it's 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 things around here that looks so different than when I was here, especially. And that you know kind of says your age when you look at it. New tenure going on right now, new head coach, um, you know, a coach that I played against earlier in my career also. So. Um, I mean, you just see that the things they did in the last two years. Um, I commend, you know, John Robinson, what he's done around here. I mean, he's he's put this team together. <laughs> you know, you look at it funny. I mean, he released me, but he ended up finding Kevin. You know, he found a, um, a diamond in the rough. I mean, he has a great young safety with a lot of talent in, in the ceiling. He, I don't think there's a ceiling for him. Um, I think he has the opportunity to be one of the best in the league. Um, and, and, of course, I'm cheering them on. You know, anything for the Titans, anything that allows this team to win. I mean, and then, of course, I'm not going to, you know, separate from John DeCipri. He's a good safety also. So, um, in, the, in the secondary, the, the defensive back area, you know, I'm always looking at those. You know, Dory Jackson, um, Malcolm Butler, the addition of him, um, all those guys. Um, I know I'm 
probably missing a couple of them. But again, I mean, those guys, and and I'm excited to see the, the new young safety that they just drafted. Um, I don't want to try to pronounce his name because somebody else. Crook to, you know. Shank. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to pronounce. I'm just gonna say Shank. That's it. Shaw, I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm gonna call him Shawshank. Shawshank <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, y'all. I said that purposely so no one's like, hey, mispronounce. No, Shawshank Redemption. I'm saying that on purpose. I like but, it. But um. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, bring to this this, this secondary when they're a young crew. Um, you've been watching, especially on social media, they've been working out uh, together all offseason. And that's the one thing to be a good secondary. you got to be very close, tight-knit. And um, back when we played, um, me, Chris Hope, Cortland Finnegan, um, you had um, uh, Jason McCourty and all of us that was rotating uh, out to Ron Vernon. I mean, we were very close. We worked out together. We, we ate lunch and you know, dinner and did a lot of things together. And that's the year we had three of us go to the uh, Pro Bowl in 2008. So um, to have a good secondary, you know, you got to be very close-knit. You got to know what each and everybody is thinking and what, what you know what they're going to do. Can I ask about Bayard further? You touched on him a little bit. You were a Pro Bowl safety. Bayard is an all-pro safety already. As you watch him, from your standpoint, having done it, what makes Bayard so special and where – does he have the ability to get even better? The ability to get better, I mean, um, I think it's the consistency. I think that's what's going to be most important. I think with my career, and I'm honest to say, you know, you have a good year and then you have a down year, you know. And I think it went with the team. I mean, we had our ups, we had our downs. Um, I think with him, I think all around, you know, he, he has a, he, he's a very smart player. You can see how much he wants to learn, how much he wants to know. Um, very humble, humble guy. Um, and that's, and that's the characteristics that, you know, as a, as a former player, when you look at other players, you know, when they're humble, um, one of the guys I can attest to is Harrison Smith, um, for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. You're talking about one of the most humblest people that I've probably met, but a real good, good, probably one of the best safeties that's in the lead, if not the number one safety in my personal opinion, that could do it all. And the thing I see about Kevin Byers, he could do it all also. Um, but what he could do to get better, I mean, just continue to do what he's been doing is, is, you know, make the plays when they come to you, and that's what he's doing. I mean, people question, you know, his, his turnovers, and they're like, oh, the ball was thrown to you. It was against a rookie quarterback, whoever it may be. It doesn't matter. It's the NFL. These are the top players. Those are the players that played on Sunday. And, you know, um, you, you just make the plays when they come to you, and don't try to do anything more. Um, I know I fell into that trap sometimes of, you know, you, you, you feel like you're in the groove and you try to make plays and, you're trying to do more than what you're required to do. Just trust the defense, play within the defense, and make the plays when they come to you. That's all you need to do. And that's one thing I said when I can attest to Harrison Smith. He makes the plays that, that when they come to him that he needs to make, but he plays within the defense. And I think if he just continues to do that, I mean, he could continue to play this game for a long time, real long. That was a keen evaluation just there. It seems like you're still very involved in football and watching it and oh, kind yeah, of I'm breaking on, things on, down. I just started fantasy football last year, so I'm on my fantasy football thing. Are you really? Yeah, but I suck at it. Really? Yes. Seriously? You would think re- you'd be really good at fantasy. No, you know, I get mad because, you know, you, you start looking. At, I see why people get upset because you look at Tom Brady and you're like, he's supposed to throw for three, 400 yards a game. Or even Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a very – I had Drew Brees as my quarterback, right? And – all of a sudden, they got a great running game. So I wasn't getting any points with Drew Brees. I was getting killed because I wasn't getting any points. So I'm mad that he's not throwing the ball for, you know. But it's like y'all still got 2,000-yard rushers, and they both made it to the Pro Bowl. And y'all almost made it to the Super Bowl. But I'm terrible at fantasy. 
because I'm like picking the guys that I played against that I know can throw the ball, that loves to throw the ball, but then now you got to run game. So I got to go back and revamp and scout again. Do you, you understand now why fans get so frustrated with players and with well, like, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because it's like you're a fan of your tech. So it's like, I want the Titans to win. It's mm-hmm. like, I want y'all to win. Yes. And then it's like, but then on other, then, but then you're mad at players on other teams because you want the Titans to win, but then you're, you got to be a fan of another player on another team. And then you're mad at that person because, you know, it, it's like crazy. But I see why they're mad. But when you got money involved, I can, I, you know, <laughs> you get it? which I can bet because I'm not a pe- player. You know, I wasn't playing, so I was following the rules. Do you have a clever team name? No, I don't. Oh, it's going to be GG's, GG's B Caves this year. Oh, okay. You thought it would be Gryffindor. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Can't do that. Like, Chuck, Chuck Cecil used to always have these, like, Gryffinator and Griffin, all kinds of Griff something. These are all ready-made fantasy names. Yeah, but, like, Cortland used to make fun of me every time. He'd be like, ain't it right, Gryffinator? And then <laughs> Chuck would, like, go along with it. And I'm like, Chuck, you don't realize he's, like, making a joke. And then everybody's laughing. And then we get to the lunchroom, everybody's like, you see how I got Chuck to call him Gryffinator again? Like, you never really had a nickname, did you? Uh, really, it was just my number, 33. 33? Or Griff? It's like Griff or 33, but it's weird because, like, my dad goes by Griff. So when I'm at home, if I hear Griff, I don't respond to it. I only respond to it here. So it's kind of like my son. When he's at home, he responds to Michael, but when he's around me, he won't respond to it because we had the same first name, different middle names. I didn't want him to be a junior. Have you thought about coaching or personnel? You know what? I, 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 I did – um, put in my application to do the coaching intern for either training camp or I think they also want to do OTAs, so I don't know if they're going to give me the opportunity or not. Um, I kind of want to see the behind the scenes and see before. Um, one of the best advices I ever got from Nick Eason, who was a former coach here, was if you do want to get into coaching, you need to get into it probably right away when you still have, um, when you still have connections with people you know. You know, if you want to sit back and wait, you know, those – Windows opportunity kind of disappear because you don't really know so many people as coaches change. Because right now, I mean, you look at San Francisco, um, even look at Coach Vero, you know, you got younger coaches that are coming in being head coaches now. And, you know, some of those guys you played against and some guys, but they probably don't really know you on a personal level. So um, that's, you know, you got to, you know, use those windows of opportunities and try not to burn bridges with people. And that's one thing I tried to always do when I was here was always respect everybody. Um, Try not to leave any bad blood between anybody. I mean, even with, you know, with John Robinson, you know, he released me and whatnot. And, you know, you feel a certain way, but at the same time, you realize it's a business and it was what was best for the team. And it's a business. I mean, he's, it's, a, it's a business for him. It's his job. He has to do what's best for the team. And, you know, it wasn't a personal thing. It was a business. So, um, again, I commend him for everything he does, and I have the utmost respect for him because, again, he turned his program around the last two years. Aside from everything you did on the field, Almost every memory that I have that's related to you is something off the field, something in the community, those types of things. Are you going to continue doing that stuff even though you are no longer on the field? Yes, of course. I mean, I, I still do the free football camp and things of that nature back home in Austin. Um, I still want to try to somehow get back in tune um, with the city of Nashville and doing things. I know last year they had a back-to-school event for some people I knew. And, I mean, I went to Walmart and just bought I don't know how many backpacks, but I just, like, say just fill all the backpacks up, just just put them in there, and I dropped those off. Um, and, you know, other people are doing things, and you know, I, I send them money and stuff to, to help donate. You know, for myself, I never had a foundation. Everything I ever did was out of pocket. So um, 
I still do that to this day. So um, I'm not going to get away from that. I mean, Nashville is like a second home. My wife is from here. Um, my daughter, y'all heard earlier, she wants to come back because she was born and raised here. Um, so I, I still talk to a lot of people, especially people didn't know. Like, I mean, I hung out with a lot of people just from Nashville area that I just met like, over the years that I still had a close relationship with. So um, even when I leave her now, I mean, there's some other people I got to go, you know, see, tell them I feel like I'm being disrespectful whenever I come in town. I don't say hello to them. Michael Griffin, settle something for us right now. Two parts about you being drafted. You were taken 19th overall in 2007. A, were you surprised the Titans drafted you? And B, was there ever really a point you thought you were going to play cornerback here as some in the organization contended? Um, did I think I was going to get picked 19? No. Um, from what my agent was telling me, it was either Jacksonville, which they jumped back to, I think, pick 24, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, also the San Diego Chargers, who, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how true it was or whatnot, there was a trade that was supposed to happen and everything did fall into place, but I guess something didn't go through. But um, I know that the Titans drafted me, but something happened where they were trying to do something. They drafted a wide receiver. San Diego drafted a wide receiver, and the Titans picked up Chris Henry, and they was trying to work. No, the Titans was trying to get Mike Turner for the second second round pick from Northern Illinois. Yes, and um, they was trying to get Mike Turner for a trade, and they were going to trade me to San Diego, but some didn't fall through. So the Titans ended up drafting Chris Henry and they end up drafting Eric Weddle. So they got a safety, and we end up getting the running back. So I don't know if it's true, but everything kind of fell into place when the Titans did draft. I heard the same story. I have no idea if it's true or not. So who we got to talk to to find this out? I think if two people tell a story, it's true. Probably Mike Reinfeld. You guys corroborated it well. Let's call him one day. It would be interesting to know, were you really going to be a corner? Did you ever believe that? I was hoping not. That was like, Kerry Collins used to pick on me every day in practice. <laughs> <laughs> you have this 17, 18, 20-year-old vet who was just like, hey, training camp is easy. Just throw the ball at Griff every play. Oh. It was. I'm like, hey, like literally he's not open. Why are you throwing it? Because you're a rookie. I mean, yeah, but can you like, you know, really practice your game and throw on the other side? I was like, I've been playing this game forever. Like, I don't need to practice. I know where the ball needs to go, which he was 100% right. 2008, he knew where the ball was supposed to go. He sure so, did. Yeah, so – it just uh, yeah, that was. I thought my, I really thought I was going to get cut after all that because I was playing corner and he really picked on me every day. You didn't think you were going to get cut? I First could, round pick. I'm out there on an island by myself. Like, coach, stop calling this play. Can we call cover two or something? Like, let me just jam and just hang out or cover three. Stop calling like cover one. Like, Swartz was like, hey, make me upset. Congratulations, Swartz, for winning the Super Bowl. Super Bowl champion. <laughs> yes, but really, like, can y'all please get me off this corner thing? This is not. They me. tried it for a while. I'm glad it ended quickly. I'm glad it ended quickly. I will say that. I'm glad I did not want to play corner. What are some of your brightest Titans moments? What are the big things that really stick out to you when you reflect on your career? Um, I mean, I got to say my second year, um, the, the, I remember going into the um, – I probably – I mean, it's kind of like I said, it's like deja vu when I said this earlier down in the bubble when we did the interview. Um, I remember, you know, Kevin Byard was definitely a Pro Bowl snub. And I felt the same way, you know, my second year. Um, I had five interceptions at the time. And 
I was leading, you know, leading the team, interceptions, and things were going good. And I remember right before that second to last game, they announced the, the, the Pro Bowl. And I remember Cortland and Chris Hope both got selected. And, um, of course, at that time, it was like whoever the third the – thir- you, you were really playing for the third safety because Troy Palomalo and Ed Reed was like Johnny Locke. Like, it was guaranteed those guys are going to the Pro Bowl. It never failed. And um, – Chris Hope got selected, and I was happy for him. And I was like, man, I had this season. Like, you know, it's hard to get these interceptions. And I remember playing in that um, – I remember playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I remember Marcus Robinson saying, okay, you got two Pro Bowl safeties out here playing. You got Troy Polamalu on the other side, and you got Chris Hope on your side. Who's the best safety out here? And I remember going out there, first interception, Nate Washington still mad at me for this day because he said Ben shouldn't have threw the ball. I got an interception – and, um, and then at the end of the game, they threw the ball. I remember I got the interception, and everybody's like, get down. I'm like, no, we're going to win. Like, I'm going to run. <laughs> so, like, I took off running. And I remember to this day, Nick Harper, like, Nick Harper did it all the time in practice. He always stayed in pitch relationship. Like, he never went to go block. He stays in pitch relationship. And I remember looking at him on the left, and I just turned up and went downfield. And I just see him, like, he just slowly, like, gets out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, he must have stopped. But um, that was, like, probably the one of, like, that's, like, the only touchdown I ever scored on defense, college career, like, whole career. So that might be, yeah, my entire career, first touchdown I ever scored on the defense side of the ball. And um, after that, it was, like, things, like, I remember me and McCourty both had, which, you know, unfortunately, it was, like, probably the least watched. I think it was a Thursday night game versus New York Jets. Like, but I remember we both had two interceptions each. Um, that was 2012 against Sanchez, wasn't it? Yeah, Sanchez. It was Tebow first, and then it was Sanchez. Um, and then one of the other ones I remember, we was playing the Miami Dolphins at home, and um, I dropped the interception. And I was like, man, we're about to lose because I dropped this interception. And then the, the opportunity presented itself again, and I got an interception at the end of the game. But um, just little things like that, I just remember um, just key plays and and. I mean, again, it was like the best thing is being out there with your teammates, you know, the guys that you was here, you know, grinding all summer, especially like right now during OTAs and things of that nature. And then you go through training camp and, you know, you're getting up early in the morning, getting out. Known, I don't know if they're still in the Maxwell house, but getting out the Maxwell house, you're coming over here and you're leaving at 930 and you're back here at 7 o'clock in the morning. I mean, those are things I miss, but and it was highlights of my, my life. But um, do I miss that? Not no more. <laughs> nah. It feels great being able to get out your bed whenever you want to. Now, you know, you got to get warmed up a little bit, you know. But um, getting out the bed whatever time you want to, you know, wake up and the sun is up, not waking up and it's still dark outside. And especially some of these cold days to be here in Tennessee, I don't miss that either, though. You experienced some odd things in your NFL career. Mm-hmm. Anything stand out as the strangest? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think the strangest story ever, if you really want to know the strangest story ever, sure. I don't know if anybody would know. So, we're about to play Monday night versus Jacksonville. And Coach Fisher lets offense go. Chuck Cecil's D coordinator. And we're missing Chris Hope and David Thornton. They're like our team captains, like the oldest veteran guys. Both got Super Bowl rings. So, Coach asked, Chuck Cecil asked me, or asked the team, who we missing? I say we're missing Chuck Cecil. I mean, I said we're missing Chris Hope and we're missing uh, David Thornton. And he's like, why are we missing? I said, maybe they thought we were off because Coach Fisher said we don't have meetings tonight. He goes, well, we're not the offense. 
whatever, whatever, whatever. So he kind of like raises his voice at me. So Ryan Mutime, Mr. Instigator, slash gasoline on fire, <laughs> looks at me and goes, Griff, you going to let him talk to you like that? And I'm like, <laughs> who? He's like, Chuck sees him just like talk to you like you was a little kid. I'm like, hey. <laughs> so now I'm like, coach, I was just answering your question. And then some, some reason Stephen Tullock turns around and goes, Griff, stop being a little something he says to me. Next thing you know, me and him are like real good friends. So we like stand up and we're like about to fight, but we're not about to fight, but we're both looking at each other like who's going to do what? Like are you going to swing at me? No, whatever. <laughs> I remember I had this brand new polo shirt, and he grabbed the, my, shirt, my collar and broke the buttons. <laughs> so now me and him is wrestling. And you like, and Tullock. Me and Tullock is wrestling. This is before, the night before the game. What's Chuck Cecil doing at this point? Chuck Cecil's trying to break it up. Okay. But now we're wrestling. Mark Robb <laughs> tries to grab me. I remember some reason he ends up down by my feet. <laughs> Chris Hope is like, <laughs> he's like, why? Like, they break us up. So Chris I, Hope has arrived. Chris Hope and David Thornton arrived. So I'm out going into the hallway. Chris Hope is like, what happened between you and Tully? Y'all are best friends. And I look at him and I'm like, you. And he's like, <laughs> what did I do? I'm like, because you're late. <laughs> so Mark Rob, I remember sending me a text message that night. I'm in my room. Everything calms down. And he goes, Griff, I played in the league. I know I'm strong. But I just, I can't stop thinking about if I could just get one more shot at you and grab you one more time because this is there's no reason why I should have fell to the ground that quick. <laughs> but y'all gotta let Chris Hope tell the story because he he says it better. He's like he's he's like Mark Robs. I all I saw was the bottom of his drawers on the ground. <laughs> but that probably might have been one of the like one of my highlight moments because it was like and then we went out and played Jacksonville Monday night and like I think we had like three or four interceptions versus him. It was like crazy. I remember Chuck Caesar was just like, I don't know if I should talk to anybody. I think, uh, <laughs> but it was like a funny game, though. <laughs> I can't get I wasn't expecting the button. Yeah. yeah he really broke my, he broke my buttons. I was so mad he broke my buttons. <laughs> Are you having a hard time kind of getting into the post-player life and mindset? I know that's definitely a transition because you're so used to routine all the time. Well, at first, it was, you know, at first I still had the routine. You know, I was still working out and things of that nature. Um, you know, I trained with Brian Arakpo, Derek Johnson, Fozzie Whitaker, um, Jordan Hicks. I mean, the, the list goes on. The current Longhorns at the NFL. Um, I was training with him each and every day after my last year in Carolina, you know, just in case if I got a phone call, whatever, I was ready to go. And, you know, I kept training, training, and, you know, but I think it was around the around Christmas time. It was like week 15, 16. That's when it like hit me. I was coming, actually coming to Tennessee, and um, it was when we played the Rams. I was coming here, and I was um gonna be here for like a week. And I told my trainer that you know that trains all of us that hey, I'm gonna be gone for a week. And then I was like, you know what, like, cause I mean Aaron Williams was training with me also, and you know he just stopped showing up one day, and I was still going. And then one day I was like, you know what? I mean, the writer's pretty much on the wall. And at that time it was like, I'm gonna go ahead and shut this thing down. And um, you know, like I said, it was it was hard at first because you know every Sunday it was like you used to getting up and ready to play. 
But um, it, but it it would have been selfish for me to be like upset or or basically go into depression or something. But you know, I got to play ten years. People, uh, that's like almost unheard of. So, um, it was tough at first, but you know, things that I've missed being there for my kids. Um, my son, he's getting older now, playing sports and stuff. I mean, when I was playing, he did not want to play football at all. He did not want to do it. And then one day he just, I want to play football. I'm like, why? I'm not making you do it. He's like, no, I want to play because I want to play. And he started seeing all his friends playing and things, and then he just decided he wanted to play football. So started supporting him with that. My daughter, she's been playing soccer since she was here, but now she's still playing. Um, this year, they just played for the championship game. Uh, yesterday, they lost in a, in a, in a um, PK shootout. But um, she's been doing real well. She's played up. She's seven, but she was playing with nine and ten-year-olds yesterday. So she's been playing up. She's been doing real well. Um, then I got a 13-month-old, which I got to see, you know, from birth to started crawling to walking and, um, unfortunately, this is the one that's really not a daddy's child. My son and my daughter, the older one is, but this one is more clingy to mommy. So thank God, because maybe she don't want no more kids because I don't want no more. But, uh, <laughs> but um, That yeah. may be the headline from this podcast. Man, I hope that one just solidifies her to be like. You've done enough late nights. and Man, you know, because now, you know, you used to have that excuse, like, I got to go to practice in the morning. And I was like, you ain't got no job. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right. So, All right, so you say the thing that you miss the most, the fellows, mm-hmm. being in the locker room. And, and that's virtually what every retired player says. You said the thing that you like the most about being a retired player is being with family. Is there something else that you're really enjoying about life after football outside of family that you never thought you would enjoy? There's little things like um, you know the things you weren't supposed to do. Like I mean, I got a I got a motor, you know a couple of motorcycles now that you know I go ride with friends and, and stuff. Contractually, you couldn't do that, right? Exactly. So really? I finally got that. It's no, in the contract. You can't. So like things like that. Like I go ride with friends and stuff. Um, what kind of bike? I got a uh, BMW S one thousand double R. It's kind of fast. But how fa- how fast have you gone? I don't go fast. Okay. I cruise. Okay, I'm cruising. I like to look like I mean all my cars, you know. Yeah. I always had that little always car had great cars. thing. So, you know, I like. That was the, really the only thing you spent your money on. But I really didn't know. Well, I know, but I, I mean, you took care of your no, money. I, I, I always had American-made cars. That's the difference, you know. I didn't have like Mercedes and BMWs and all that stuff. I had American-made. Did that Dodge at one point? I never had a Dodge. You never had a Dodge. It was GMC or Chevy. So that was always you. It wasn't you driving next to me, huh? No. Oh no, this someone is else. Embarrassing. Got, he must got in the head quite a few times. <laughs> See, that's one thing. I thought you had a got Dodge. Got to walk away around, you know. Still, I'm you know, wrong. Okay, no I'm Dodge. sorry. I had a Camaro. That okay, was like real fast. What? I mean, again, it's American-made car. And, um, but if you're a player, I mean, for me, if I had that kind of money, I'd have cars too. Why wouldn't you? It's dumb. Well, no, it's not dumb. I mean, it, I would love to have a car like that. I mean, it's just it's, for fun. I mean, you could have cars. I know one thing. I mean, I, for my 30th birthday, I bought, okay. my, I bought myself a McLaren. Yes. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. But then now it's like the dumbest thing I ever did because it still has like, that was 2015 and I only got like 1,500 miles on it because it's like, where do you go to McLaren? Where do you go to McLaren? Yeah, so it's like, where do you go to McLaren? Huh. Like, there's like you, you wouldn't do cars if you had that kind of dough. I mean, how many cars do you I need? You can only drive one at a I time. Didn't say what pair of shoes do you need? You're gonna wear one at a time. 
Well, well, okay, that's different. I didn't nope. say 20 cars, but I'm sitting here saying, if you're going to have a... <laughs> Am I right? How many pairs of shoes do you need? You only wear one at one time. Yeah, but the... How many purses do you need? You only you wear gotta, one at one time. And now gotta, we're into a different you area. Gotta, you got to... That's what? different. It's different. It's not different. I mean... You, you wouldn't own a Porsche? Listen, you take... listen. That would be my only car, Okay, though. listen. Let's I would have about one this. Porsche. Shoes go out of style, right? They do. Yes, but you can have a car. You can drive forever as long as you take care of it. Right. Yeah, so it's... But so why do you need 10, I guess? I didn't say Because I can 10. ride 10 cars for the rest did of my life. Did you have 10 cars? I never had 10 cars. Okay, I didn't think you did. No. I, I was just asking. Cars. It was more of a like My, my like, go-to vehicle now is, like, literally the motorcycle. Like, go to the gym, go down the street. What always in the contract that you can't, you can't, you can't hang glide, you can't jump out of an airplane? Yeah, I wouldn't do that anyway. Uh, you can't cliff dive or something? I wouldn't something. do that either. Okay. But what was the most surprising thing that you could not do? I mean, it's like you can't play basketball. Like You couldn't really play another sport that if you got hurt. So, like, when people say, oh, I got a celebrity game, can you come play? It's like you go, but you're like, if I get hurt. Right. So that was like, I mean, it was pretty much like, well, I mean, it's, it's like, again, it's a business. So it's sure like it is. the Titans owned you. Like, they owned your body. So you could not put your body in harm's way. So now you can do all the dangerous things you've always wanted to do. Cliff dive, hang glide. I'm not going to do that. Race your motorcycle. Never going to race it. Really? I might do like a track day, but that's just like it's safer not being on the streets and stuff. So you can like go, but my wife would kill me. So don't say I, I hope she don't listen to this. Oh, good. Great. But you're maintaining your weight very well. You don't look like you've gained a bunch of pounds. Or Oh, no, no. I actually lost weight. Seriously? My last game, I was 225, and now I'm around about 210, 212. Did you have to fight? Like Keith Bullock has told us the story that he really had to fight to keep his weight up. Were you one of those guys as well? Um, I was the one that had to keep fight to keep my weight off. Yeah, <laughs> like me. Yeah, I was the guy like. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> well, when I play, it's like when I play, it's like you know, you 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 eat, you know, you don't miss a meal. You get breakfast when you walk in there. You get lunch, and then you know you leave. You go get dinner or something. But I mean, when you you know on the other side, you actually got to make that food for yourself. Right <laughs> here was blood. You know, you <laughs> But you want an omelet? Yeah, cool. I'm going to grab that, go in the meetings, and eat a great meal. And then you can snack all day while you're in meetings watching. But the nutrition thing changed a lot during your career. I had the worst nutrition ever. Really? Y'all know that. Well. Y'all knew that. That's kind of true. Y'all knew. We did. We that saw knew. you on Caravan. We saw you on Caravan. <laughs> yeah, y'all know I had the worst nutrition ever. The, but the nutrition has changed dramatically. But do you know I never caught a cramp until I got done playing? Seriously? Never pulled a hamstring till I was done playing. Hmm. You were just made to when, do it. And that's when I changed my nutrition to try to drink more water and eat more healthier. And then I started, like, getting cramps and all that stuff. Maybe well, your you body just, just does better with McDonald's. I don't eat McDonald's. It was, like, sodas. Like, Halsey's used to have those, like, sodas and stuff. Oh, before practice, drink one of those. And then right after practice, drink your Gatorade. I was good to go. <laughs> if it works, it works. It worked. It was, like, it was like literally, like, Tuning up a, a fine car like oil. That was like that was the oil. Missed three games. Three. One hundred and forty-six games. Hold on. Kevin. One of the games wasn't even. One of the games. I said missed. My, one of my games. One of the games wasn't even my decision. That's right. They told me I couldn't play. The league. No. Well, that one. But they told me I couldn't play. So you only Jerry made- Jerry Gray said we're not going to play you versus the Rams because we don't need you. And I did everything I could with the grade. I had a torn, which is still torn today. I had a grade three torn quad quadricep. So on one side of my leg, it's like I have to, like, use the other muscles to pull my leg up. But you're most proud of that 146 total games, counting playoffs, 
you only missed three. Missed three. One was a decision. The one was I got suspended. Oh my god. Still You're still over. not over that? No. I even saw the I even saw what's I can't remember his name. He played for the Baltimore Ravens, but I seen him and he was like, man, I really want to apologize. How are you gonna apologize to me after I lost two hundred and five thousand dollars? That's a lot of money to lose. Wow. And then I had the um the my last year here when me, Mariota, and Kendall all had the same injury. Right. Mm-hmm. I missed the game versus Atlanta. But then after that, I just started, like, shaving my leg, and then I just started taping. Instead of wearing a brace, I just started taping, like, put the tape on my like, – Instead of using my... the pre-wrap, you, you tape, you shave well, your leg. Of put, instead yeah. of putting the brace on and everything, I just shaved my leg and just taped the tape onto my leg. That's wanting to play. That was the best way to that, – that brace is terrible. So I just, like, started doing crazy stuff like that. But you showed up. You always showed up. You always practiced, and you always played. It hurt, though, but I did it. But that's something to be proud of, don't you think? Yeah, I think the crazy one was the one versus when the shoulder popped out and popped Ooh. it back in and went oh. back in. That wasn't great. Ooh. I remember that because everybody thought, oh, he's out for the year. Yeah, but they popped it back in and went back in. That's impressive for someone who it, didn't really care about their nutrition that much. and. But you care yeah. about your nutrition the now, soda right? helped it. The soda. The soda helped There you go, kids. Don't encourage the children. <laughs> soda. Soda helped it. Guy played in the league for 10 years. He did. What is it that people listening to this don't know about Michael Griffin that they should know? What they don't know. Um, the one thing my wife always says, I care about everybody else. <laughs> like, they always, she says, you stress over that too much. Like, you always worry about what people think about you. You always, you know, you, you're like, it's like, she's like, you're always nice to other people. You always, like, you let people kind of run, like, push you over and run you over. And my, my mom's at, but my mom's the same way. Like, she's one of the people that's always want to take care of people, always want to make sure it goes out of their way to do stuff for people. And my wife says to me, like, all the time, like, you stress yourself over, you stress yourself over too much for other people. Even when you know somebody may do you wrong or somebody has done you wrong, you still or go over and beyond for them. And she's like, I don't understand why you do it all the time. And you would stress over it. Can we address the cupcake in the room? Sure. What you, cup, what, oh, that cupcake we had to give away for free, the one you made? Yeah. Yeah. She so made, you she opened made a, she made a, bad cupcake. a Gigi's Cupcake Shop mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. Me and Brian Rackpo and our other uh, partner, Brian Henson, we're all like good college friends. How is that going? It's going real good. I mean, it's, it's over 100 stores. We stay within the top 10 every week. It's in BK. BK is like right outside. Rack is so lazy, he put it right by his house. <laughs> Did Seriously? He really? Yeah, he ain't, he ain't got to go nowhere. He's like, man, I got to go to work and I come back to Austin. And it's like, Rack, it's less than like, you can run there. It's like three miles from your house. Why cupcakes? Why not a, a hamburger? Our slogan is who doesn't love cupcakes? Well, who doesn't love cupcakes? You're right. That's true. So, but, but why did you decide to do cupcakes rather than fast food or a, a sit-down restaurant? Or? Um, it was, well, the, the area, I mean, we, we, it was a real thought-out process in our personal opinion. Um, when we looked at everything, especially for myself, you know, I was just finished my last year with Carolina. Um, it was in February, um, a year, a year and some change ago. We were all sitting down eating lunch one day, and um, Rack said, "Hey, Griff, let's let's. You ever thought about let's possibly starting a business or something just to get our feet wet? You know, when the game of football is over for us, because you know it's, it's 
he said, right now you're a free agent and, you know, I got, you know, two years left on my deal. There's there's no telling how much longer I'm going to be able to play or if I'm going to play or whatever. So I was like, cool. So our friend Brian Henson, who's been in corporate world ever since he graduated college, we were all like, we ate and he said he was thinking about Gigi's Cupcakes. Both of us were familiar with it. And um, we went over to, there's a, there's a location in Cedar Park that we went to and, um, we let Brian Henson try it out, and he liked it. And we had a couple of other friends with us, and they all liked it too. And he was like, "Let's um, what do you think about opening one in BKs? There's not one out there, and BKs is kind of like Brentwood here in Nashville. Right. So, um, we we them two one day was riding around, and there was a new um, strip mall that was being built, and they talked to the owner of the strip mall, and just, we was able to get in there." Yeah, um, it was about a year process, you know, get everything up and running. We went to corporate office, um, sat down, kind of like the the, the the room we're in right now, spoke with everybody, different parts of the, the business and whatnot, and um, to learn the ins and outs. And then um, I think it was January 29th, I believe. It was like right after Rack just got done with the um, playoff game. He came and we pretty much was like training camp. We was there to see the park location every morning, at like six o'clock in the morning, and we learned the ins and outs from learning how to learning the um, learning the plan to know how many cupcakes you need to make for each and every day, which flavor to make, how to make them, the scratch cakes, the mixed cakes. Um, when you grocery shopping, we even went to the one in the, the corporate store in Dallas, and we stayed there for two days, and we went through their store and learned everything. So, it was a long drawn out process, and um, like I said, that with Cameron Wolf, you know, we had a um, a um, we did an interview one time, and he asked us about it, and we were saying that I recommend all players if you want to get into the business world, don't do that. You know, my friend has a great idea, and I invest. You know, you really need to to really sit down and think about it, um, be hands on you know, know what's going on, learn the ins and outs of it. Because when you're done playing football and all you know is X's and O's and, you know, routes and, and defenses and stuff like that, you know, that doesn't transition to the real world. Maybe your work ethic does, um, but in but in the way you work with a team, but not the knowledge of what you know. You don't really know, you know, the ins and outs of how to run a business. You may think you do, but... You know, you look at John Robinson and everybody else up here in the, in the front office and stuff, you see how the organization is actually ran. The easy part is going out there. Not saying it's easy. That, that's just the athletic and the guy giving the billion of talent that you have to go out there and play the game of football. But to be up here and actually have a business that's run, you know, that that's a lot that you really don't know that goes on behind the scenes. What has surprised you the most about being a business owner and working more in regular corporate America? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's your interactions. And, and you can't, like, again, go back to Burner Bridges, the interactions. I mean, you'd be surprised on the, the deals and things that we made um, just just talking to people. Um, being a professional athlete or, you know, a lot of times people don't have that, that access to athletes. And you'd be surprised on just being respectful and giving somebody your time on how far that can go. Um, I learned that with just there was a kid, um, it that a former classmate of mine from Bowie High School. She contacted me and asked me to donate a jersey because they was doing a um, fundraiser for this young girl who was three years old, who um, somehow she was being baby, she was being babysat by her grandparents, and she ended up in the pool and drowned or not drowned, but somehow I guess they revived her, but she has um, brain injuries, mm-hmm. and um, 
she's like asked me if I could just donate a jersey or whatever, and she told me about the fundraiser that they had, and um, I donated a jersey and I came over to the to the event, and um, you know, they they auctioned the jersey off, and I mean it was nothing, you know, it was nothing I did. All I did was just give them a jersey, and um, just the people I met that was there. That next thing you know, they're like, let me get your phone number. I want to contact you. I want to support your business, and um. There was a guy by the name of Brian May who's opening a place called Urban Air, which is like a trampoline jump park right behind us. And he opened one in Cedar Park. And he's like, I want to do business with you because I see that you care about other people. So I'm willing to help you succeed with your business. So just little things like that that you realize as being in corporate America, just the respect level and just giving your time to people and being able to, you know, have people have access to you and, and not be the person that, because again, I tell people all the time, when you're done playing, you know, you're no longer, you know, Michael Griffin, the football player for the Tennessee Titans. Now you're just Michael Griffin. And now you have, when they turn on TV, and this is an example, like, no disrespect to anybody, but now when you turn on TV and you look at that back half of who that safety is, now you have Kevin Byard. So now you're Michael Griffin, but there's Kevin Byard there. Um, you know, you had Keith Bullitt, but, and then after that, you have a guy like Avery Williamson, and then it goes on. So you're no longer that guy yes you're you're a legend and you're you know you're you're part of the franchise but now this younger generation you know as this generation keeps going and going sooner or later no one's going to remember michael griffin you know now it's kevin byard and then when kevin byard is you know done and retired it's going to be somebody else and that's just how it goes but in the real world you gotta understand that you're no longer michael griffin the football player but now you're michael griffin you're a person and they feel like you're just like them. You get up every morning, you go to work, you own a business, they own a business, whatever it may be, and that's who you are. So that's all my kids understand. I don't want you to look at me as, you know, the, you know, the father that played football, but look at me as a father that did multiple things throughout his life to show you that there's more than one, um, there's more than one path to take. You know, you don't necessarily, my son, you don't have to be me. You don't have to be a football player. That's the reason why they name him a junior. He goes by his middle name, Braylon. A lot of people don't even know we had the same first name. So I want him to be his own person and grow up to be what he wants to be. And my main objective is to support him on whatever he wants to be in life. And the same thing goes for my daughter. And the same thing goes for the baby girl, Mackenzie. But you are letting him play football. I'm letting him play football, not tackle. Okay. Because when he starts playing tackle, I definitely want to be hands-on. I want to, to monitor it because I remember growing up, I mean, you have coaches that don't really – I mean, you – Don't have saying, a clue. No clue. You'd be surprised when you, you. I'm not surprised. I'm well. I was very surprised because it's like the things that I know now that you go back and you look and you're like, "What was I doing?" As a Coach kid? Fisher told me when my son Matthew was born, I said, "When do I get to start letting him play tackle football?" He said, "No tackle football till middle school, at mm-hmm. least middle school." He says, "Flag football, definitely." It's Coach Fisher. Got to learn. You gotta... and, and and that's what he did, you know, and and that's what he advised, and it was great. I mm-hmm. mean, it was. Matthew played flag. I think flag football is the greatest thing in the world for guys to learn the game. Definitely. And the coaching is is easier, so mm-hmm. you can find better coaches. And then you get to middle school, and you got I mean, some. It's, it's the things you see now. I mean, I have friends that got kids, and it's, like, weird because they'll contact me and ask me questions. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Like, what do you know? like, dude, he's a kid. Let him be a kid. Right. You know, I have some, you know. It's funny because it's, like, they wasn't like this until, you know, I, I had my career. And now it's like sometimes like you seeing people trying to live their lives through their kids. They're trying to get their kids to be what what I am or whatever they think or what they saw me do. And it's like, listen, you know, let them be kids. You know, if they really want to do it, they're going to do it. I mean, there's a lot of people when you realize it has a lot of talent. 
but it's the mindset if you really want to do it or not. And that's what a lot of times they don't, parents understand is if the kid wants to do it, let him do it, support him. But if he doesn't, don't push him to do something because that's what you want him to do. And um, I think that's where a lot of relationships, you know, kind of get discombobulated between, you know, father and son or, you know, father and daughter, wherever it may be, because when you push that kid, you burn that kid out. I got a friend right now that, you know, it's weird watching his son play six-man tackle football right now, and then he's going to go right into 11-man football during the summer, and it's like, you got to give him a break. Like, you have to. And then I also heard a story of a kid who apologized to his parents because they kept putting him through camps and paying for him, you know, uh, one-on-one coaching. And when he didn't get a scholarship, he apologized to his dad and said, I'm Ooh. sorry I didn't get you what you, what you wanted. Wow. It can be all-consuming. It really can for kids and for parents. I mean, you put money into it, you put time into it, and you oh, kind I, of expect. I tell my kids all the time, if you don't want to do it, just tell me. Because I'd rather save my money than come out here. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my another daughter, motorcycle. Hey, I tell my daughter all the time. I told the coach the other day, listen, if she go out there and get the watching, just take her out of the game. Like, really, we can go home right now. It's not, I don't care. We didn't lose a draw. But if you're going to play and I'm going to spend my money, you better give 110%. That's all I ask. I don't want nothing else. Your, your mindset is fantastic for the next part of your life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it really is, and it's so great to see, um, you know, it's like Peter Sermon. Mm-hmm. We were talking about earlier, Peter Sermon could have kept playing. He said, you know what, I'm going to move on to the next stage. I'm, I'm healthy. I've got a lot of things I want to do, and he's gone on and succeeded in coaching. Keith Bullock has mm-hmm. gone on and succeeded in various things. It's exciting to see you like this as a, as a dad and as a businessman. And uh, it's ironic. You're 33 years old. I think the next 33 years of your life and beyond are going to be just as exciting. Yes, sir. I think so, too. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's still trying to figure things out here and there, you know, dibbing and dabbing here and there just to see how I like test the waters here and there. But, man, again, it's, it's you know, the most proud moments is being there, you know, for my kids and stuff. That's the main thing is just, you know, watching them play and enjoy sports and seeing the smiles on their faces. Um, you know, right now they're they're happy. They get to skip school and they got to go back on, on Wednesday. Skipping school was never a problem for me exactly. either. I thought it was great. We're in there watching. one of the best highs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> watching. We, we, one night he – Son tricked me, said he was sick, and we ended up going to go watch a movie, um, the new Avengers movie. Oh. So, I mean, just things like that. I mean, wake up what time you want to wake up, work out. You know, you can go in the gym and be working out and be like, you know what? They say go. You know, I know I'm not go for 10. I'm going to stop at 5. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of today's show. <laughs> Normally should. I stop at, at 10, and now today I'm only going to go for 5. Hey. Michael Griffin, um, this has been a delight. We've kept you too long, but it's been so much fun talking. He should go into broadcasting, huh? You should go into broadcasting. I talk too much. And you have to promise us you're not going to leave us here in Nashville. Which You'll mean? be back around. Always. Titan for life. Oh, I'll be back in July. Perfect. We should entitle this one instead of OTP 11. It should be OTP 33. Aw, I like it. See, so we got to wait to get 33. Michael Griffin, thank you so much. <laughs> thank y'all. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Great stuff on OTP 33. Thanks for joining us.